This week, I'm looking at alternative social platforms and how they might be going mainstream, might. A lot of money for my favorite language learning app and the streamer that's beating Netflix this entire week and also the second Prime Day for Amazon this year. And like I promised last week, I'll share a new resource you can use to understand apps for free. So stick around until the end for that. Let's get started. Trump's social network, Truth, finally launched on Google Play last week, nearly eight months after launching on the App Store in late February. I initially called the move to launch on iOS first a mistake, and now looking at the download Truth is seeing on Google Play after the first week, I fully stand by my statement. According to our app intelligence, Truth Social was downloaded more than 271,000 times from Google Play between the 13th and the 18th. That's roughly 55,000 downloads every day, except for the first one. The Android launch also created interest in the iOS version. Downloads on the App Store, which we estimate to average around 2,000 per day before the Android rollout, have doubled since, and for a single day, tripled. I believe launching on both stores at the same time would have given Truth a lot more momentum and a lot more engagement. Splitting it up really makes it tough to build an audience. Regardless of why they didn't, not doing both was a mistake. Maybe a calculated mistake, I don't know, but a mistake nevertheless. Now, will this be the spike Truth needs to make its way into the mainstream? Hmm, unlikely. Truth Social has seen a few spikes in downloads this year, but none were monumental or even sticky enough for that matter. Expanding to another platform is great and will get more engagement, but likely from an audience that already expected the app and not from new users, which is really what the platform needs if it wants to become mainstream. I'm trying to stay as a neutral here and just focus on the numbers. That's what I believe matters. If you think I'm doing a good job with that, let me know by giving the video a like. One more, there's a lot going on with Kanye West right now, none of which I really want to think about except for this one thing he did on Monday that is relevant to my industry. After getting himself banned from both Instagram and Twitter, Kanye West decided to join the alternative social platform movement, because we just talked about it. Might as well continue. Now, by joining, I mean channeling his inner Elon Musk and acquiring the OG free speech platform, Parler. If you recall, last time I looked at Parler's downloads a few weeks ago, things weren't looking that great. Just a few hundred downloads a day. After Kanye's acquisition announcement, Parler's downloads grew more than 2,000%, which is why I'm bringing it up. Daily downloads averaged around 500 per day last week. They were higher the week before, but only as a result of the app relaunching on Google Play a few weeks ago. On Monday, the day of the announcement, downloads rose to 10,000, and on Tuesday, doubled to 20,000. It could be natural curiosity given all the news coverage, but it could mean something else. But first, a fun fact. Excited to share the news with their VIP users, Parler sent an email about the acquisition, which had all of those VIPs in the CC field of the email. <laughs> Yuck. That's the wrong way of sending emails, and it ended up exposing the full list to everyone on it, which immediately leaked to the media. Big ouch. Back to the something else that I mentioned before. Kanye's latest series of battles is hurting his popularity for sure, but it's not ending it. He still has many, many millions of fans some of which don't know enough about politics. Those fans could follow Kanye to Parler not knowing what they're stepping into. That could be good for the platform because they'll finally get more users on both ends of the political spectrum, but it's also possible those new users won't bring an opinion from home and rather let what they see on Parler shape their opinion. 
I'm not trying to take any sides here, but I'm sure you can see why this isn't great overall. But that's it with politics for now. I promise. And I'm Ariel for Math Figures, by the way. I bring you five interesting insights about mobile apps and games every week. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button so you keep getting them. Moving on. Amazon tried something interesting this year by attempting to kick off the holiday shopping season before Thanksgiving or even Halloween. Crazy. It did that by using Prime Day Early Access, two days of discounts across the entire catalog, much like what it's been doing every summer for the last few years. Starting the shopping season early gives Amazon a big advantage because most other retailers haven't even started their email campaigns just yet. It's also possible the first Prime Day did so well, Amazon figured it should just run the same playbook. Did this Prime Day help Amazon grow its mobile user base? Let's have a look at the data. According to our estimates, Amazon's downloads in the US rose 9% on the 11th, the first day of the promotion, and 31% on the 12th. Nice, but in more absolute terms, we're looking at an increase of 10,000 downloads and 35,000 downloads versus the daily average, respectively. And that's not bad, but it's also not as big as what Amazon is used to seeing coming from previous Prime Day promotions. I think this isn't something Amazon is proud of. And yes, I know new downloads aren't the main KPI for Amazon on Prime Day, but it does give us a glimpse into Amazon's growth. And even without growth, Amazon will continue to do well, but not for too long considering there is competition. So growth is still important. And the excuse that everyone already uses Amazon isn't something I believe. I know people who don't. If you ask me, this was all due to promotion or in this case, lack of promotion. Did you know about Prime Day? Did you buy anything during Prime Day? Let me know in the comments. Next, the streaming grace got some attention again this week after mostly being over for a while. The big news was Netflix's plan to roll out a new low cost, but not free, tier supported by ads. And the other one was Peacock's domination of the App Store. Peacock's downloads rose to their highest peak ever. That's right, ever. Our estimates show downloads rising 467% last Saturday compared to the average of the previous week, from around 60,000 to more than 340,000 downloads in one day. Peacock also topped the App Store at the same time and stuck around for a decent part of the week. We estimate Peacock made its way into more than 1.2 million new devices between Friday and Tuesday. The spike wasn't accidental, but rather thanks to the release of Halloween Ends, a new movie that went to theaters and Peacock at the same time. And yes, Peacock is trying what HBO Max and Disney Plus are trying to move away from. Madness. Original content, original content continues to run the show. Not a surprise. But there is something interesting here beyond big numbers. I compare the downloads of Peacock to the downloads of Netflix in the US to see how the two stack up. Why Netflix, you might ask? Because... Netflix finally is getting into the ad-supported business, something Peacock has done from the get-go. Netflix's ad-supported tier isn't free like Peacock, so it's not exactly the same, but more on that in a bit. I have some thoughts. Since Friday, Peacock has been beating Netflix on downloads. Although downloads have gotten close in the last few months, Peacock's to Netflix, Netflix was consistently on top and with a solid margin between them. That flipped on the 13th and is still the case a week later. While Peacock added more than a million new users, Netflix added about 400,000, so around a third. If you're curious why Netflix is trying to lower its price, I think this is exactly why. And the decision to not make the ad-supported tier completely free is a strange one. And if I had to guess, I'd say just a cautious approach to eventually going free, but 
to first see how and if it will cannibalize their current offering, which costs at least three times as much. Netflix had a lot of momentum, but lost a lot of it in the last few years, thanks in part to apps like Peacock and others who offer a free tier that includes ads and Netflix doesn't. Netflix needs those viewers back and will have to build a real ad business to make it all worth it. Now, the faster their ad business is built and refined, the faster we'll see this low cost tier turn in free. That's at least my guess. I'm really curious to see how Netflix's free offering will go, especially because it will also apply to its mobile games and more on that most likely in the future as it happens. And last one for this week, Duolingo is the most popular app for learning a new language. And I say that strictly by looking at estimated revenue growth. In the last quarter, Q3, Duolingo got very close to hitting a new milestone, $100 million of gross revenue in a single quarter. It's almost there. According to our estimates, Duolingo earned $59 million of net revenue, meaning after Apple and Google collect their fees, which amounts to about $84 million in gross revenue, or what Duolingo's users gave the service to learn a language. Based on quarterly growth this year, Duolingo will definitely cross $100 million in Q4, which has a higher than average revenue anyway. So I expect a massive number. Platform distribution is pretty standard. About 25% of this total came from Google Play and 75% from the App Store. English-speaking users are the biggest spenders with the US, UK, and Canada contributing the most, but revenue came from really every country we provide estimates for. Looking at the trend, this growth isn't new. Duolingo's quarterly revenue has grown every quarter with a single exception, leading me to believe this growth is a result of really great strategy and perfect execution. Well done. Except for the whole Katy Perry incident last week, which is probably a fluke, so I'm just going to ignore it. Google it if you're really interested. But I think there's more to it. I think Duolingo is riding a wave sparked by lockdowns and the shift to working remotely. This might be a stretch, so hear me out, but the move to remote work made it normal to conduct all meetings via video and not always from a professional setting. This, in turn, made it easier to hold meetings with farther destinations, the kind where both sides don't speak the same language. It wasn't really impossible before, but it wasn't as accepted or as easy. It is now, and that could be a catalyst for Duolingo's growth. What do you think? If you've been counting, you know that's all I have for you this week. If you found this episode helpful, please share it. That would really help it. Let's make sure everyone knows about it. And before I go, I promised a new resource, and that's Explore, a search engine for apps that is now available to all AppFigures members on all plans even the free one. I did say it was free. With Explorer, you can search all the major app stores and find apps using a variety of filters. It's super easy to use and very insightful. There is a link on the screen and in the description. If you're not already an AppFigures member, you can sign up for free, really free, no credit card, none of that stuff. And if you're a developer, you should watch this to make sure your keywords aren't hurting your downloads. I'll see you next week.